Well, good morning and Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you to our praise team. Very thankful for these folks uh, up here this morning um, to come on a holiday. And uh, very grateful for Kenny and Carly and Jeff and Lydia and Dalton and Caroline all up here. And uh, I want to say thank y'all to y'all. Y'all have been so such a great congregation. We y'all know we have two different services every week. But the last three weeks, y'all's attitudes, I could not have been better. I'm so happy the way y'all have just said, hey, we're going to do this for three weeks, and we're going to go back to normal next week. But just the way y'all have had such a great attitude of coming together, thank you so much for that. We appreciate it. And, of course, we welcome our folks um, online as well. Um, Good to have uh, Lydia and Dalton with us from Florida. I know certain people are very happy that they're here, and uh, so we're very thankful for that. And I do want to put a little plug in for Miss Carly. I don't know where Carly went, but um, uh, Carly um, coaches softball at Northgate High School, and she was just named Coach of the Year in Coweta County. So we are very happy for her. Yeah. Very thankful for her influence on those, those, those girls and students there. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, so I'm pretty sure most of y'all were up to at least midnight, right? <laughs> I thought coming in this morning, I thought, man, out of all the things that could happen on the first day of the year, missing a field goal is pretty rough, isn't it? <laughs> that poor guy, you know? <laughs> it may have been the holder, I don't know, but either way, that was rough, that was rough. Um, well, I, my wife recently put up in our house this little message board, and it's like one of these little message boards where you can change the letters on it and put little cute sayings on it. So we kind of all have to walk by and see whatever the saying for the week or the month is. And, um, you know, uh, recently she put one up there that just kind of like stopped me in my tracks. And it said, one day, question mark, or day one, question mark, you decide. Now think about that for a minute. One day, question mark, or day one, question mark, You decide. And as I thought about that, I thought about this new year. And, you know, we think a lot about new opportunities. It's a new year. We get a new calendar. We got new clothes from Christmas. We got a lot of newness going on, new resolutions. As I've said before, resolution is really a solution that you're just trying to actually, what did you say, um, retry it this year because you didn't do it last year. We know what the solution is, right? But we have to redo the solution because we didn't do the solution last year. So we have a lot of resolutions this time of year. But again, that message kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I thought over my lifetime, how many times have I said, one day I'm going to do fill in the blank, right? And I'm stood here and going, I still haven't done that. There's never been a day one for that one day thing that was either a dream or a vision or a task or a goal that I had. I just never got to it. And I don't know why that is. Or maybe I started a few day one, maybe got to day 10, and then, you know, it's like um, my daughter and I were just laughing about, we dread January at the gym. You know why, don't you? Because there's going to be all these new people in there. It's like, what are you holding up things? You know, you're going to be gone by February. But anyway, it's just one of those things. Um, uh, so, but I think most everybody knows that feeling of saying, one day, and then the years come, and all of a sudden that One day never became day one, so it still never happened. Does anybody feel that with me this morning? And it can certainly happen. In our spiritual life, our walk with God, our 
relationship with Christ, however you want to phrase that, can be looked at in those same kind of terms. We have really good intentions in this area. One day, I'm going to get back to worshiping on Sunday. One day, I'm going to join the choir. One day, I'm going to join that small group Bible study. One day, I'm going to start serving on a ministry team. One day, I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. Or one day, I'm going to read all the way through the Bible this year. One day, I'm going to do that. One day, I'm going on a mission trip. One day, I'm going to start volunteering. And we can all fill in the blanks, right? And this one day to day one thing is not just, you know, for an old guy like me that's looking back on my life and go, oh, I never did those things. You know, some of you younger people. I want to say to some of you younger people here today, some of the things that you want one day start right now. Whoever you're going to marry, you say, one day I'm going to get married. Well, that day one of that starts you being the right person right now. And it, it's, it's, it, if you think about it, that is just an amazing saying. It really kind of hit me. And day one must start at one point for whatever it is we're talking about today, right? It has to start somewhere. And I must make that decision. I must be intentional about starting that one day. And then starting day two. And then starting day three. And starting day four. Till it becomes that task, that vision, that dream, that goal actually becomes a part of my life every day. And that's not easy, is it? Because we fall off the wagon sometimes, don't we? We say we're going to start the diet. We say we're going to start exercising. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start doing this. And then somewhere along the line, we just get busy and we fall off the wagon. And it's just one day again. Well, this morning, I'm going to start a new sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. You know, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to start with Mark today. And John Mark, who's the writer of this account of the life of Jesus has a unique approach as all of the four gospel writers do. But by connecting the dots when we read the New Testament, we hear John Mark's name and we know that John Mark was a young man who started going on missionary journeys with Paul. And you remember Paul and Barnabas kind of got sideways with each other because John Mark quit on the first missionary journey. And Paul says, I'm not taking him anymore. And Barnabas goes, well, I'll take him. And he, you know, spent time with John Mark and, and, and coached him along the way. And then we know that, obviously, Mark became uh, a very valuable person and wrote the gospel of Mark. And we also know that Mark got most of his information in his gospel, in his account of Jesus' life, through eyewitnesses that he interviewed. Specifically, we believe, Peter. He sat down with Peter, who Peter would later call in one of his letters, my son, Mark. They were very close, but we believe he got a lot of his eyewitness details about Jesus from Peter in writing his gospel. And through these eyewitness stories and narratives and accounts, and most importantly through, as we know, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mark gives us an account of the life of Jesus. And Mark, I usually introduce people who are either new Christians or maybe thinking about wanting to know about Jesus, I always say, read Mark, because it's the shortest one. It's only 16 chapters. It's fast-paced. A lot of people describe it as kind of like a script for an action movie, because it's like Jesus goes from one thing to the another, and then soon after, and immediately, all these kind of words that Mark uses, and you see one scene of Jesus' life right after the other, and that's kind of how Mark is. And we'll see as we read through Mark, that Mark wants his readers to find out the answer to this question. Is Jesus really the Messiah of the world? Is Jesus really the Messiah of the world? 
He's come into the world, and you know who he was, and you know about his teachings and his miracles and all that, but was he really the Messiah of the world? And as we read through Mark, we'll spend the first half of the gospel, and it presents, this is who Jesus is. You have to decide if he's really the Messiah, but this is who he is. And then in the middle, there's this defining question that Jesus asked his disciples, and we'll get to that as we move through the book of Mark. And then at the end, the last eight chapters or so, as you you read read through it, you understand that it shows how Jesus becomes this Messiah. And this Messiah he becomes is very different than the Messiah the people were looking for. Very different. So we're going to do, go through that, and um, we're going to look at the first 15 verses of chapter 1 today. And keep in mind, Mark's going to do a very interesting thing at the very beginning of his gospel here. He's going to tell us who he thinks Jesus is, and then he never tells us again. He just says, this is what I think, but you look at his life. You watch as I tell you what he did, and you decide if he's really the Messiah. So let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. So the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So you see how fast that first chapter of Mark goes. And Mark tells us from the very first line who he believes Jesus is from verse 1. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he says... But you need to decide. I'm going to give you this account and you decide through Jesus' actions. And notice that Mark tells us nothing of the birth of Jesus. We didn't read Mark during Christmas, did we? We read Matthew and Luke. That's where the story of Jesus' birth is. But he does start with Isaiah, a prophecy which he knows will connect with Jewish people that there's these Jewish scriptures who talk about one that's coming and one who was going to prepare the way. And so he starts with that and he starts with that prophecy. And this is the first and only time Mark will refer to the Old Testament, which gives us a hint that his gospel was primarily not necessarily to Jews, but to Gentiles. He's taking this message to them. And then like the first scene of a movie, we encounter this unusual messenger, John. And he gives us some details about he 
dressed with camel hair clothing, and he ate locusts and wild honey, had a leather belt around his week, and he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Mark lets us know that all these people from Jerusalem and in Judea are all flocking to where John the Baptist is because they want to hear his preaching. And they're, when they hear his preaching, they're convicted, and they decide they want to be baptized. They want this baptism of forgiveness. Now, I find that fascinating because it couldn't have just been Gentiles that were coming to John. There had to be a lot of Jewish people. And I say that because these folks are going to John are primarily, not exclusively, but I would say primarily Jewish. And they have this history, as we know when we read the Old Testament, of all these laws about how to give get forgiveness. There's these laws, specific laws and specific sacrifices. And you bring those and you give that and the priest puts it on there and he does whatever he does and he burns it up and you're, you're absolved from your sins, right? That's how it's been for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they have a history. And even if there are Gentiles who are coming to Jesus, other faiths, other people who believe in false gods, they do the same thing. They make sacrifices to gods to try to appease or, or get forgiveness. So why is it if that's part of their faith, why are they flocking to John the Baptist to get this forgiveness of sins. Maybe it's because, and I don't know the answer to that, but maybe it's because that old covenant, that form of religion that they've been practicing still left them feeling guilty and full of shame, and they were going to try something new possibly. I don't know the answer to that, but something new to take that away. And remember, it's been some 400 years before there's been any prophecy that's come. John the Baptist is the the only thing they've heard in 400 years prophesying from God about this Messiah that's coming. And now we have this prophet, John the Baptist, and he's proclaiming this coming of the Messiah. And he's very clear, as you heard. I'm not the Messiah. I'm telling you what you should do for forgiveness of sins, but I'm telling you the kingdom of God, God is moving, and the Messiah is here. I'm just preparing the way for him. And I'm baptizing you with this water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, whether the people in that time understood the Holy Spirit or not, the Holy Spirit is referenced enough in the Old Testament that they know that's of God. That's something of God. And so next we see Jesus coming to be baptized, which is kind of an interesting thing. And in some of the other Gospels, you know, John goes, oh, what are you doing here, Jesus? I should be ba- you should be baptizing me, not the other way around. But Jesus says this needs to be done to fulfill what? All righteousness. And so Jesus comes to John. But in Mark, he kind of gets to the nitty-gritty of it. And he says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan River, just like all these other folks coming. And just the difference is, this didn't happen to anybody else John baptized, but just to John, I mean, just to Jesus. It says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. I want you to remember that word, torn torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. If you happened to be at the Jordan River that day, and you heard that, that wasn't normal. <laughs> that would be something that you went, what, what, who, what was that? I guess John was right. This guy really is the Messiah. And what we see here for Mark is this narrative of Jesus in action. And look at the signs and confirmations. Mark starts out with, this is what I believe, from prophecy and this confirmation of John coming. And then we see that heaven was torn open. And, and going back to that phrase, that phrase, torn, 
will not be used again by Mark till the very end. Does anybody kind of, at Jesus' death, what happens? Remember, the veil of the temple is torn. So he uses it in the beginning, but he doesn't use it again till the very end. And this is significant. Jesus is coming into the world, and heaven's torn open. And when Jesus dies, guess what else? Heaven has been torn open, and now there's a way back to the Father. So this is a very significant phrase. And not only that, but heaven's torn open, and people can't go, what just happened? And they see this spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And then you hear this voice saying, you are my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. If that doesn't get your attention and confirm that this is the Messiah, probably nothing is. And then next, Mark says, at once, here it is, this fast-paced kind of movie that he's laying out for us. The spirit, again, this is a, a confirmation that Jesus isn't doing this on his own. He's connected to God. He's connected to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. So the Spirit sent him out and tempted by Satan. Now we know if we read, and I'll encourage you to do this, if you want to read more about that temptation, you go to Matthew and Luke. It's very significant about all those things that happen. And it's interesting, Satan tries to get Jesus to prove the very thing that Mark's writing about. Prove that you're the Messiah. If you really are the Son of God, then you will do this. If you really are the Son of God, you will do this. And Jesus doesn't bite, does he? My timing is not on you, Satan. I obey my Father. And so he, as you read that, you understand. So why is Satan so interested in Jesus? Because he knows he's the Messiah, doesn't he? That's why Satan, again, this is a confirmation that this is the Messiah. And then he sneaks in there, angels attended him. That means he's important. So do you see that Mark continues to show us in a fast-paced way that there is no longer any more waiting for one day that the Messiah is here. It's day one. Now, I mentioned last week in my sermon, you remember, I said, hey, did anybody get a present on Christmas and said, don't use it till 30 years from now? Remember that when I asked that? Well, now all of a sudden, Jesus is 30. And this seems to be day one. Day one, and Jesus is actively and intentionally showing why and how he is the Messiah. The last two verses of our text today, after John was put in prison, Jesus went out into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this is Jesus continuing day one further. Now, it may seem like day one was on Christmas Day, right? And why did you wait till you were 30? Mark has told you, that Jesus was the Messiah at the beginning of this gospel. Mark refers to an Old Testament prophet that, about the coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist confirms that Messiah is here and I'm preparing the way. The Holy Spirit confirms on Jesus that he's the Messiah. God verbally confirms this is my son from heaven. Satan is after Jesus. Why? Because he knows he's the Messiah. Jesus confirms the kingdom of God has come near and the Word has become flesh and is on the earth now. It's day one. Jesus is here. No longer is there a wait for that one day. The Messiah will arrive. That day is now here. And so the reason I, I chose Mark today is because we can't go through, y'all, Advent and Christmas and talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah and John the Baptist being born and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds being visited by the angels and, the, and all of that that they see. And then they go and find everything just as the angels told them 
And then you have the Magi coming and visiting Jesus and their experience and saying, we saw a star, we know he's the Messiah. They even went to Herod, as we talked about last week. None of those folks could stay the same, could they? It was day one for them, and their lives would never be the same. All those characters. Jesus grows up, yes, it seemed as if day one would never start, probably, for some people. It seemed to take this 30 years for Jesus to start day one as Messiah. But Jesus starts, and Mark reminds us of every step of the way, and that there's more to come. Jesus is on this path. He is bringing in this kingdom of God. And if you doubt Jesus is the Messiah, Mark's almost saying, just keep reading. Keep reading. Keep watching. Watch what Jesus does as I unfold this narrative, as I unfold this account of his life. You have to decide. This is not a normal human. There's something special about him. So in this new year, as I I talked about, What have you been saying one day about in your life? And it doesn't necessarily have to be something spiritual. For some of you, it may be spiritual. Some of you may be sitting here and you're kind of skeptical. You know, some of y'all are college students. You know what? You're going to go back to college or maybe even high school students. And you're going to have somebody tell you that you really can't trust the Bible because it was just written by men. Somebody please tell me what part of history wasn't written by humans. I think that's pretty much no history. It wasn't written by humans, right? All of it. And so if you're skeptical to hear, that's okay. But I would encourage you to make this day one of being truly honest about finding out if Jesus really is the Messiah. Because if he is, it requires a lot of us, doesn't it? It requires a lot of us. So maybe this year, maybe it's not a spiritual matter. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe you need to start exercising. Maybe you need to see a doctor about that issue that you keep pretending is not there. You need to make that day one of making your health important. Maybe it's a practical issue. We can all identify with this. Maybe you need to clean out the dang garage. You know? It needs to be day one. needs to be really soon. And you need to make a day of it because it's a mess. You know, we're climbing through there. And you know how it is. We go, where is the Christmas stuff? What idiot put that back? Oh, that was me. You know, so something's practical like that or the basement or a closet or I need to sell that car. I need to get that car fixed. We need to make vacation plans ahead of time this year. We need to send that resume. I need to change jobs. I need to stop saying one day and make this day one. Make it happen. And maybe some of you are in that category. Maybe it's an emotional or mental issue. Maybe you need to make that counseling appointment. You've been struggling with anxiety or something or depression, and you need to make that counseling appointment. Talk to a trusted friend or a minister or a coach or a teacher. Maybe you need to go to a person that you've been sideways with in a relationship, and you need to restore that relationship, and you need to make that a day one thing. Not one day I'm going to get back with my uncle that I got sideways with it, you know, back in 2014 at Thanksgiving. We haven't spoken since. Maybe you need to restore that, and it's day one of sending that email, making that phone call, sending that letter. Or it could be a spiritual issue. Was Jesus just a good teacher, a moral leader, as you will hear throughout the the world? But he really wasn't the Messiah. He really wasn't the Son of God. But again, make it a day one to start honestly to get the answer to that question. Because if baby Jesus was the Messiah, it doesn't stop there. 12-year-old Jesus was still the Messiah. 
And just because we didn't hear anything about Jesus in the Gospels from 12 years old to 30 doesn't mean he wasn't any less the Messiah at 30 years old. And he starved. And if 30-year-old Jesus was Messiah, then 30-year-old Jesus crucified and resurrected is still the Messiah. And if Jesus is resurrected, the resurrected Messiah, and he is going to come again, guess what? He's still the Messiah. And that requires something of all of us to make the most important decision of our life about that question. And in our life and in submission and humility, make him the Lord of every aspect of your life. And that's hard, isn't it? It is hard to make Jesus the Lord of every aspect of my life. Because I can do it here pretty easy, right? In church, it seems, ah, it's, got it. But man, when I'm watching a football game and losing my mind, or I'm losing my mind with my boss at work, or, or with my teenage kids, or with a relative, or, or, or whatever it is, is he really Lord of every aspect of my life? That's a daily, day one walk with our Lord. And you know what? There's going to be some days that we skip. You know, you, know, you know when you have diets, I've heard this phrase in the last few years, cheat day, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're on a diet, but you can have one day where you can just go crazy, okay? And I think there's going to be days in our Christian walk where we're, we're going to get off track, aren't we? But the God that, that sent his son to die for us and raise again for us is okay to get us back on track. He's got enough grace so that we don't lose our mind and go, oh, well, I guess I'm not a Christian. No, it's a day one thing. But I want to encourage everybody today, whatever category it is. You may already be a very faithful Christian, but I want to encourage you that if it's in every aspect, whether it's a health thing this year or a mental or, or, or whatever it is, a spiritual thing, that you will seek God in making that day one decision to move forward. Because God wants us to be who he created us to be, right? And sometimes we have to take that step. And he's waiting for us to take that step. Just like he waited for Peter to take that first step out of the boat, he's waiting for us to take that first day one step. And he's going to grab our hand and help us. Because I know you can't do it on your own, but you took a step towards me. And I want to encourage us all to do that as we start a new year. But maybe there's somebody here today in conclusion that needs to say, you know what, I'm not sure Jesus is the Messiah. And maybe you've come at a point through Christmas or, or wherever it is in your life that you're at a point where you're ready to name him as your Lord and Savior. So as we do every week, we want to give that opportunity today. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to, in submission and humility, say, I don't understand all of that, but I'm willing to name Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He wasn't just a baby as Messiah. He grew up and he died for me. And I want to make him Lord of my life. So if you need to make that decision today, we're going to offer that. We're going to go into a time of communion. I'm going to ask the, the praise team to come on back up. And uh, they're going to lead us in a song. And if um, you didn't get communion, there's some on the table back there or in the lobby. If you're visiting with us today, we invite you to be a part of communion. We take communion every week. Um, you don't have to be a member of our church. If you're a believer, we invite you to be a part of that if you'd like to. Um, but we're going to prepare our hearts for communion during this song. But if you do have um, a decision you need to make about naming Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'll be right here and, and try to walk you through that. So let's stand as they lead us in a song and prepare our hearts for communion.